The Ducks have got their latest transfer, and it's a guy that Bo Nix knows very well. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. We just hit 1,900 on the YouTube channel. I'm overwhelmed. Thank you so much. Uh, Before I get into today's show in full, I'd be remiss if I did not acknowledge I'm recording this after I watched what many of you watched on Monday Night Football with Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. As you listen to this, there may be new information. I don't know. And I don't know what's happened right now. Here's what I do know. It was a horrifying thing to watch. And I know that a lot of you watched or were aware of what happened. And I hope to provide you with a little bit of an escape from that. I, I, I did think about it, but at the end of the day, this is not the easiest show for me to tape, frankly, but I respect and love all of you out there, and if I can give you something to help take your mind off something like that for a little while in the sports world, I want to do it. So let's get into it. Oregon's got their, their latest transfer, and it comes with a wide receiver position, which, which I find a, a little curious, but then not not so curious. Like if you just said blankly after you you got Jerry on Dickey signed and after you added Treshawn Holden in uh, the transfer portal, I'd say, well, might not be the most pressing position of need, perhaps for an immediate impact guy. However, there is uh, some logic here. Tez Johnson is the guy's name. And he comes to the Ducks from Troy, where he has two years of eligibility. Now, the way that this does make a lot of sense is Tez Johnson played football with Bo Nix in high school, and he is Bo Nix's adopted brother. That makes a lot of sense, because if you have an opportunity for those two guys to play together, how could you not want to make that happen? I do not, however, think that was the sole reason Oregon went after this guy. I'm sure it's part of the way that you know he got on Oregon's radar, because Bo went to him and said, hey, if you're looking for a wide receiver, you should go get this guy. Bo has, of course, got great chemistry with him. They certainly know each other very well. They played football together in high school, but... He also was probably on the Ducks' radar at some level to to the extent that he was really good at a small but successful and 12-win group of five team this year in Troy. I don't know what Troy's mascot is. I actually want to look that up. Let's see. Um, whoops. That's not that's not the right thing. But um, again, my mouse didn't work. My 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 mascot or my relationship with technology is uh truly truly amazing um looks like it's a it's like a knight i think they're the knights knights anyway that was just a curious thing i wanted to look up but uh they were a top they are currently a top 25 team they knocked off utsa where will stein came from in the 
I'd be lying if I said I remember the bowl game, but I did watch a good amount of it, and UTSA's offense struggled pretty significantly in that game, which I think overall is a good sign for Duck fans that it wasn't, you know, secretly the quarterback's coach or it wasn't just the amazing personnel. It was, you no, know, the guy upstairs who was calling plays was the reason the offense was able to have success. Troy bested them in that game 18-12, to but he was their leading receiver this year. He had 56 catches, 863 yards, four touchdowns. Pro Football Focus, who I have a love-hate relationship with, I think they do a really good job with offensive lines and offensive linemen. I think with skill position players, they they have a, as I said, love-hate relationship, shall we say, with, with, with PFF. But they do have people who are watching a lot more football than I am and have access to a lot more stuff. So I, I will take their, you know, review of him at least mostly seriously. But sometimes they, they grade a guy really high. And as someone who I've watched play, I've seen it particularly in the NFL. The one I always go back to is there was a point in time when Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, was still really good. I think he was on the Chiefs. And PFF had him graded as like the 26th or 22nd best safety in the league. And I was like, dude. That guy's not the 22nd best safety. They're not 20 safeties better than a prime honey badger. They're, they're just were not. But anyway, him being the highest rated group of five receiver is noteworthy because there are a lot of good receivers at the group of five level. That guy Franklin on UTSA, by the way, was really good. There are also just a lot of teams at the group of five level. You got Conference USA, you've got the American, you've got the Sun Belt, you got the Mountain West. This guy graded very highly. Now, the question I have about him is how is this game going to transfer to the Power 5 level? We've seen small guys get there before. He's Maybe he just needs to eat some cheeseburgers, get in the weight room, put on 15, 20 pounds, he'll be okay. He's 5'10". He is listed 150 pounds. That is less than I weigh. That is a small dude. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school which is not by accident because he shows a lot of good things on on film. But that is a very, very small guy. And when you are relatively undersized, it can be easier to get away with that in a group of five conference than it can be in a power five conference. So I do have that question, and I think it's a fair one to ask. However, when you watch him play, he does a lot of really good things, particularly at the line of scrimmage. He is a very good athlete, as you might expect. Oregon probably wouldn't be bringing him in if he weren't a great athlete in some way. But one thing that, that I noticed when I watch him and the highlights I was able to find, he's a very fluid athlete. He has, he has great use of his legs at the line of scrimmage, and he has excellent footwork that allow him to use his agility to get in and out of routes very well. He's not a huge guy, so primarily lining up in the slot, but his speed and his ability to get in and out of breaks, I think is promising and what makes him so good. He looks like he's got good hands. I haven't been able to find a ton of data. I'll defer to PFF on that, and they probably wouldn't grade him as high as they did if he had, had drop issues throughout the course of the season. So I, I do think he presents something to the offense because slot receiver is not a position we know outside of Chris Hudson going into next year. But I, I do question, I do question another thing about him and that's how much he can play. 
because I really like Chris Hudson. I, I, I really, really like Chris Hudson. And if I were trying to hire somebody, I would really like LinkedIn jobs too, because as a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals, like Oregon's trying to do in the transfer portal right now, and with recruiting and everything else that goes into roster addition. I don't know that there is anything else, but you understand the point I'm making here. They don't use LinkedIn Jobs, but if they did, they'd probably be able to find people anyway, because small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So I, I'm not saying that I'm against this, this addition because he is a talented player. He's played a good amount of football. He understands, right? Like he knows how to play and be a productive wide receiver, but I look at him and I say, that is a slot receiver through and through. That's what he is. He is not somebody, not just because he's 5'10", but also because he's you know only 150 pounds. You're not going to line him up outside. He just doesn't fit that sort of body type. And I don't think he'd fit Oregon's personnel anyway, because you're probably going to have Franklin outside on one end and then Holden on the other. And then Hudson in the slot, you'll throw Jurion Dickey in there. Now you've got Tez Johnson. But as someone who's lining up almost exclusively in the slot, I, I think the question of how much he will see the field in 2023 will come down to how much direct control Will Stein gets on the offense with with Dan Lanning still as the head coach, though a defensively minded one. Because this year, Oregon wasn't in what you'd call 10 personnel very often, one back and four wide receivers zero tight ends. That's how that works. If you did not know, I'm sure many of you do, because I know a lot of you duck fans out there are pretty smart and knowledgeable on, on all things football related, but 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, 12 personnel, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there weren't actually a lot of sets where it was 10 personnel. Oregon went five wide a number of times this year, but if you look, that was often out of 11 personnel and they had a running back wide one side and they had a tight end in the slot. So again, you still only had three receivers on the field. Now, is he a guy who, you know, if he ends up being the backup to, to Chris Hudson and Jurion Dickey is the number two to Troy Franklin or Treshawn Holden, or they're interchangeable at, at the spot opposite Franklin, because I think he's pretty clearly your number one going into next year. That that could be the way the wide receiver room shakes out. But if this is a situation where Will Stein says, I want to run more 10 personnel here, then yeah, I could see him playing a lot more. But right now, as the wide receiver room looks, I don't think what he has is superior to what Chris Hudson showed this year. I, I'm a huge Chris Hudson fan, huge, because he evolved his game a little bit this year. He wasn't just a guy catching balls around the line of scrimmage. He pushed down the field a number of times. He was a gadget guy. He could be a lead blocker on gadget plays as well. I think he did a solid job uh, blocking. That's another question I have about Johnson when he's so small. Can you put him on the field where you need him to run block against the safety? Chris Hudson, I say the answer is yes. Tez Johnson, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think that's a, a fair question to ask for a guy who's that small. But, you know, put him in the weight room, get him on an eating plan, maybe puts on 15, 20 pounds, and 
you know, 5'10", 170 is a lot different than 5'10", and, and 150 pounds. But if he, at the very least, provides a depth piece for Oregon offensively at the slot wide receiver position, yeah, I'm, I'm totally good with that because Seven McGee was supposed to be that, but he transferred to Jackson State. So in a sense, there, there was a void here for a number two slot receiver behind Chris Hudson. I mean, Hudson can't play on every play, right? So you have guys rotating in and out pretty regularly at most positions. Wide receiver is certainly not exempt from that. Neither is offensive line, which I'll talk about in a moment. But I I just want I, I don't I don't think this is a guy who comes in and is going to be, you know, a five to six hundred yard number three wide receiver next year. Like I, I and I don't think that's because he isn't a good, capable player, but he clearly wanted to leave Troy after having a lot of success and getting his name out there in a solid way and showcasing his skills after he probably did a little bit because of his size fly under the radar coming out of high school. And then you have Bo Nix coming back to Oregon. He probably wants the opportunity at the very least to, you know, work with with his adopted brother all year long. And so giving him that chance, totally okay with it. Maybe he surprises me and beats Hudson out. But if Oregon comes out in 11 personnel next year, I'd expect at this point in time, it'd be Bucky Irving, the running back, Bo Nix at quarterback, T. Ferg, the tight end. And then your three receivers are probably Franklin, Hudson, probably Holden. Holden or Dickey is is probably the other one, but barring an injury, which does happen, as we know, like if Chris Hudson were to go down with an injury, maybe you could put Jerry on Dickey in there, but Johnson also has more of a body type to do that, you know, quick screen. I mean, Dickey can do that, but the fly sweep, jet sweep sort of stuff, I think he suits really well for that. They typically give that to smaller guys, maybe partially because they can hide behind linemen, makes them hard to pick up as as they come around the end there. But they, they can also move laterally very well, which he certainly can, because as I said, he's a very he's a very fluid, very explosive athlete. But I, I wonder how much he played. Like if you told me that you know he ended the year with fifteen to twenty catches for just a couple hundred yards and maybe a touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think that's a bad thing for Oregon's receiver room, but I, I think he, you know, provides depth at a position that, yeah, you can make a solid case that that you need it right now. I think the connection to Bo Nix makes a lot of sense. So overall, I, I like the addition. I don't think it's a game changer. I'm not blown away by it, but uh, I do like that. Um, actually, I'm going to save Stephen Jones for uh, the final segment on today's show. Matt Pallage is no longer a member of Oregon's coaching staff. No word yet on on who Oregon will hire for for that position or if they will. Sometimes guys leave and the Ducks say, yeah, let's just promote this guy and, you know, shift responsibilities around and sort it out like that. But they actually lost two members from the defensive coaching staff. Bob Gregory, who was Washington's interim coach last year after Jimmy Lake was fired. He was a defensive analyst. He's going down to coach special teams and safeties at Stanford. And Matt Pallage is going to be defensive coordinator at Baylor. Not not a surprise here. I don't think it's a shot at Oregon. I don't think there's an indication that, oh my gosh, this guy's actually falling on the interior or anything like that for, for the Ducks. Pallage was a co-defensive coordinator, not the play caller with, with Tosh Lupoy and landing above him on the defensive coach pecking order, so to speak. And now he goes to Baylor, where he came from and you know has ties to and is now able to be the full-time defensive coordinator and play caller. Like, what guy isn't going to take that? It's a salary bump. It's a role increase. And you get a chance to to kind of show your moxie and, and whatnot. Um, I don't think this is a huge loss for Oregon's defense, except maybe recruiting, which I'll get to in a moment. But th- this year, he was, he was the co-defensive coordinator. 
We know the defense was nothing to bat your eyelashes at for the most part this season. Certainly had some really good games. Uh, I, I think important to remember with the defense, recency bias is very real. You look at those Oregon State-Washington games and say, oh, man, the defense and special teams, man, they both really stunk. And, and then there were also games like BYU that was uh, an eight-win team by, by the end of the year, had seven points through three quarters and held Stanford to three at the half and the game was over and Arizona never really got it going and they had a really good offense. Like there, there were good things from the defense this year, just not in the, the two games that we, you know, really, really wanted to win most. But the, the other thing is he was the safeties coach this year and I, I wasn't blown away. You know, they didn't bring in any transfers at that position. So it was just him coaching up guys who he didn't have a lot of experience with, which also probably contributed to him leaving. Um, I, I, I don't think there are any decommitments on the recruiting trail that are expected to follow w- with this or any players who are going to go with him. I think it's just as simple as he, he was a, a position coach and co-coordinator and he had the chance to go be full-time coordinator and he's going to do that. And, it, you know, I... I guess I'd rather have continuity, but at the same time, I thought Oregon safeties this year were a real weakness of that defense, more so than the corners, especially as the season went on. You know, Brian Addison had a couple nice moments, but it seemed like they had some miscommunications. They were late. So, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. What I am saying is him being off the staff doesn't radically alter my opinion on Oregon's defense because the unit he was coaching this year was average at best and at their worst way below average and, and hurting the defense so um you know i'm not saying like oh yeah good riddance this guy stunk or anything like that it's just kind of one of those things that i understand why you take the role if i were in his position i would have done that too and i i don't think oregon is that much better or worse off because of it and i think you you maybe have the potential to to improve but we'll, we'll see how that position group gets coached up uh next year and also who plays next year i think safety is a really interesting position we don't know what steve stevens is going to do we don't know what jamal hill is going to do uh jj greenfield i think will be back again but you know obviously no peyton bowen but you have cody de cambra and uh tyler turner coming in you have trajan williams on the roster the four star from last year's class so a lot of fluctuation at, at, at that position. So it's kind of almost a total reset. Like it, it's a it's almost a complete and total reset for that position, which I'm okay with. The one thing I, I, I do wonder about, just kind of like the slightest sense, you know, if I had to lean, I'd maybe say 5149 negative here because he's one of the coaches who has strong ties to Texas, which Oregon wants to recruit very well out of. But if they keep winning games and keep getting these victories on the recruiting trail, like Mateo, who comes from California, but you know, that sort of thing gets on kids radar and Oregon plays a game at Texas tech next year. So, you know, able to get some exposure in the Lone Star state at the very least, then, then hopefully Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoi can still get kids out of that state because that, that's a place you want to be from a recruiting standpoint. And I talked about that when he joined the staff, that was kind of the biggest upside that, that he offered there. You know, he'd coached an all-conference safety in Jalen Petrie at Baylor, but the biggest thing that I saw was, well, he brings recruiting ties to the state of Texas. So maybe he's helped lay the groundwork enough for Oregon in that state to continue have to have success there going forward. But uh, we'll, we'll see if a new hire is made or if they just kind of you know, shift those responsibilities around and say, okay, safeties, you're now going to be coached directly by Demetrius Martin in addition to the cornerbacks. We'll just kind of see how how all of that goes. Uh, final thing for today's show. 
Stephen Jones coming back mentioned it earlier, and then there were a bunch of other things to talk about and, and such, but it's the beauty of the offseason here. It gives me time to kind of let things settle and marinate and then, you know, fully flesh out my, my thoughts and then bring them to you here on the show, which I very much appreciate you all supporting. Again, we just hit, just hit 1,900 on YouTube. That's crazy. And hundreds more on podcasts. Wild. Absolutely wild. Never dreamed. Thank you. Thank you. A hundred times. Thank you. By the way, if you haven't liked and subscribed already, please go ahead and do so. Getting to 2,000 would be pretty cool. It would be pretty darn cool on the YouTube side of things. Anyway, it's pretty cool that Stephen Jones is coming back. I think this is good news for the offensive line. You have an experienced guy in there. I don't think you can undervalue that at a position where communication is arguably most important. I think I think defensive secondary. I, I think communication is most important for the defensive secondary first, offensive line second. If you don't have people working in harmony, if you don't have proper communication, you're toast. You're absolutely toast. Dead in the water. Something will go horribly wrong. And so having Jones in there I think is really good. He's been a guard the last few years. I don't think he's someone who can move outside to tackle. He's not that sort of athlete. The The interesting part here, and, I, and I'm going to be most curious how this Oregon offensive line kind of shuffles the deck, you know, especially with the, the two transfers at, at offensive line that are coming in from Rhode Island and Texas, respectively. It looks at the moment like Jackson Powers Johnson will be sliding to center, and then you'll have Harper at left guard and Jones at right. I could see that happening, but JPJ's played a lot of guard, a, a lot of guard. I don't know how comfortable he is exactly at center. His mom has listened to the show before, so if if, if you know Jackson Powers Johnson's mom, if 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 you know and have an idea, by all means send me send me a note. But I think if he moves to center, you know, he and Alex Forsyth have had a really close relationship, so it could make a lot of sense that there's been some mentorship there. I do believe he slid over at, at various points in the year when both Ryan Walk and Alex Forsyth were down on the offensive line, so it could make sense. But Stephen Jones, at the very least, gives you depth at the guard position. You know, you don't want to have just two gar- guards that you feel good about. You, you, you want to have more than one. And Stephen Jones gives you that because you know exactly what you're going to get. Is he you know, a high caliber NFL guy? Probably not. Could he get to the NFL? Yeah, I could totally see it. Big, big, big guy. I I think he lacks in the lateral quickness. You know, he's a little better in run blocking than pass protection from from what I've seen from him, but he's certainly more than capable of both. He's been part of some really good offensive lines. He gives you continuity at a position position group where you have a lot of turnover going into next year. So I like that. I, I like that quite a bit. And I, I like that this is going to be, I think it's a six-year college football with with the Ducks. So anytime you can bring back a player who's got that many games under his belt, I think it's good for the locker room. I think it's good for the linemen. And, you know, the ability to say, you know, Marcus Harper gets dinged up and you slide JPJ over to left guard, Jones over to right, and then you see what happens at center. Or maybe you have, you know, like a Dave Uli, uh slide in. I think he's kind of next in the pecking order on the guard. So he might... You know, I, I think he, I think those are your top three guards, and Uli's probably number four. The two guys you brought in, one of the, the Rhode Island kid, definitely a tackle. The Texas kid, I've I've heard he can play. I, I think he's best suited to tackle, but I think he's played just about everywhere on the offensive line. 
I'll try to dive into that more as, uh, as as the weekend shows go on. If you ever have a question about something like that, by all means, shoot it to me. At Smalls underscore 55 is the Twitter handle or at Locked on Ducks on Twitter. You can also hop in the YouTube comments. I monitor those daily. Ask me anything and everything you want about the Ducks or anything else. You know, my guy Peyton asks me Star Wars questions. I love ending the, ending the show with a 60-second Star Wars response. Always down for that. Marvel, too. I mean, heck, I got my repping the... Uh, the Crossover shirt, Black Panther, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, um, and the Game of Thrones, King of Thrones shirt. One of my favorites. So, by all means, ask away. Appreciate all of you. Love all of you Duck fans. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And go Ducks.